Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for having me. Do you know what? I thought that um, I needed to wear heels because I'm quite sure, and I thought I'd be standing on the ground, and suddenly now I feel like I'm a giant. So um, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It's great to see some friendly faces. In fact, you're all friendly faces, but some of you I know and some of you I don't. Um, So it's good to be here. Now, um, as I was preparing this sermon and thinking about my own family dynamics, I was reminded of a story, um, well, not a story, but an incident between my boys. I had four boys... um, growing up in my home. So you can imagine it was pretty noisy, pretty chaotic, pretty non-peaceful most of the time, to be honest. And we always try to instill in them, um, you say, sorry, you apologize, forgiveness is part of the culture of our family. And so we always want to, you know, we might get cross, but we always want to put it right at some point, um, you know, once t- tempers have died down. And I remember one of these moments that two of my boys had really fallen out. They'd been scrapping, fighting, I don't, don't, I can't remember what it, was, what it was over, probably something very insignificant. And um, so they'd calmed down. I brought them together, trying to do a little bit of negotiation between them and said, you know, I can't remember which one it was. We'll say number two, number three, number four, because I can't remember which one it was. But number three, what do you want to say to number four? Um, you know, I'm sorry for what I did and for what I said and for punching you and pulling your hair and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the other, number three, was listening very intently and calmly. And I was thinking, oh, this is actually going well parenting win here, <laughs> and uh, aren't, aren't I doing well? And then number four had stopped speaking, and I said to number three, what do you want to say to number four? Well, I don't accept your apology, and I don't forgive you, and off he went. <clears throat> and I, oh, it was just one of those moments where you think, oh, golly, you've not been listening to what I'm saying, have you, have you? But I think thinking about relationships and how to have peaceful relationships, I was struck when I was thinking about this, that actually it would be easy to have peaceful relationships if we didn't have to do it with other people. It would be so much easier if it was just like relationships with ourselves. But what we're called to as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people who, you know, you might be here on a journey of faith, you might be exploring faith, this might be really new to you. Um, But what we're called to, if we are a Jesus follower, is to pursue relationships that are peaceful and to put into practice the teachings of Jesus. And he, as Pete mentioned earlier, he is the Prince of Peace. And so what he is asking us to do and the way that he's asking us to live is because we've experienced his peace in our life, he's asking us to live peacefully with other people. Now, it is easier said than done. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. You might find it really easy to do this, but I'm going to, a little bit of um, vulnerability here. It is hard, isn't it? It is, yeah, Taddy Tate's nodding. She's really nodding a lot, just notice that. It is really hard to live um, peacefully with other people. In fact, I was driving here, and I apologize if you're in the room, but as I was driving down Southmead Road, I didn't let somebody out in front of me. And it wasn't because I was being mean, it's because I was a little bit distracted thinking about my sermon, and I didn't notice him trying to pull out. And as I drove past him, he was like, and I was like, oh gosh, I hope you're not going to be at community church in a minute. So if you are here, I'm really sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to be mean. But everywhere we go, as we interact with people, there's opportunities for us to be people of peace or for us to be reactive people, people who get cross, people who hold a grudge, people who say things that they regret. And so that's where I'm going to be going this morning. I'm going to be thinking about how we put on uh, what God asks us to put on, to, to, how do we put on peace, love, compassion, goodness, patience, all that stuff, and how we put off the bad stuff. And I'm also going to talk about forgiveness as well, because I think forgiveness is key for peaceful relationships. 
So let's go to our reading. Um, It's in Colossians 3. I'm going to read it. I think it's going to come on the screen. Amazing. I'm going to read it from my Bible because it's big letters and it's easier for me to see. It's quite, it's it's 17 verses, so I'm going to read quite fast and, and spin through. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you've taken off your old self with its practices, we're going to come back to that, taking off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. So we're taking off and we're putting on, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and Christ is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So much in there, isn't there? I'm going to talk about what we need to put off and what we need to put on. And I'm going to talk about forgiveness, like I said. So that's where I'm going. When we choose to follow Jesus, there's a new way of life that we are meant to enter into. Not that we kind of step into it and automatically we are this sort of finished article. We're walking around. We're just like Jesus. Everyone's like, wow, there goes someone just like Jesus. But we are stepping into this way of living where the Holy Spirit helps us to be transformed, to become more like Jesus. Paul challenges them here. Paul is the guy that wrote this letter to the church in Colossae. So it's a letter, a handwritten letter to them, where he's kind of trying to encourage them to kind of live up to this Jesus that they are, they are following. And he's, he's stressing that when Jesus becomes your Lord, when he becomes the one you're following, when he is the one that is in, in kind of front of you, and he, you've accepted his death on the cross, you've accepted his forgiveness, and you're like saying, yes, I'm, I'm going to try and follow you. He's saying there needs to be some practical outworkings of that. It's not just about believing it in your head and your heart and then carrying on as normal. There's meant to be a transformation in you that happens slowly over time for sure, but it's meant to be seen. It's meant to be visible. But in reality... For most of us, it is a hard thing to do, and it takes some thought, and it takes some intention, it takes some actions. He's really strong. Oh, I've got a slide here. Hold on. Right, put it on. Excuse me. Oh, oh, sorry. 
There we go. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but <laughs> I have done it, so I'm going to use it. <clears throat> He's pretty strong in his language here. He says, put to death, rid yourselves, put off your old self. I mean, Paul is quite strong. He's saying, don't tolerate this stuff. Get rid of it. Kill it. Kill it. You know, stamp on it. Do what, do what you need to do, but get rid of this stuff that is just like living everybody, like everybody else does. And instead, clothe yourselves. Oh, hang on. There we go. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness. Put on the new self. As you take off the old self, you put on the, the new self. And above all, put on love. Now, I'm going to illustrate this for you. This is a camouflage jacket. Excuse me. It belongs to my husband. He's an army cadet leader. <laughs> Say again? <laughs> yeah, thank you. That was what I was going to say. You can't see me now, can you? I've completely vanished because I'm wearing a camouflage jacket. A very small camouflage jacket. I'm just saying this soldier must be very small <laughs> because it fits me. Um, maybe it's a child's one. I don't know. Anyway, basically what Paul is saying is don't be like everybody else. Don't blend in like everybody else in, your, in society and in culture. Don't be like everybody else who may be angry, who may walk around taking revenge, who may speak words of kind of hate, who may be swearing left, right and centre, who may be just kind of living the normal life. Because if you, if you wear your camouflage jacket, if you're doing that, you're blending in like everybody else. And he's saying, actually, we're called not to blend in. We're called to put off that sinful nature. I'm not trying to get it off. We're called to put off that sinful nature. And instead, what's it going to be? Anyone know? Any guesses? My son's Amazon delivery driver's rest. We are meant to stand out. We are meant to be different. We're meant to be different in the way we react to people the way we conduct our relationships in the workplace, the way we can be patient with people that aren't patient with us, the way we love those that hate us, the way we pray for those who we struggle with. We're meant to stand out. This feels a bit weird. It's a bit caught up. But we're meant to be different. We're meant to be wearing a high-vis jacket, not because we want people to look at us and say, oh, wow, she's so good or she's so holy, because that kind of tips into pride. But we're just meant to be different. We're just meant to be putting on kindness, compassion, forgiveness. When they look at us, they're meant to see a hint of Jesus. They're meant to see us. But not only us, they're meant to see the Saviour, our Lord. And that's in our workplace, in our families, in our uni, in our school, in our communities, in our streets. And, you know, and it is hard, isn't it? So what are we meant to put off? I'm going to keep this on as an illustration. I might get a bit hot. I might have to take it off later. But what we're meant to put off, Paul is quite strong. And he talks about treating sex casually. That's the first thing to put off. And the second thing is he talks about speech. So casualness around sex 
and speech. And he says this, put to death or get rid of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And now you must get rid of yourselves all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and its practices. And I think Paul has a really good handle on human nature, doesn't he? He's not kind of going, oh, you know, I don't think you're like this. He's saying, this is, this is our society in these verses, isn't it? This is normal culture, really, that we're all kind of in all the time. So why thinking about sex and, and, and handling sex carelessly, just some things that you will all be aware of, the widespread availability of porn, the common use of sexual images in advertising and social media, on the TV and in cinema, the normalization of sex outside of marriage. Sex is no longer sacred anymore. I mean, some people might argue, has it ever been really sacred? Well, it should be sacred because it's an incredible gift that God has given us. But in our, so- our culture and society, it's not. And so Paul is saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to put off the ways that everybody else treats sex, and you need to live in a different way. Now, he's not saying that actually we can't make mistakes, and um, we can't be honest about our vulnerabilities and the things that we struggle with and the things that are hard. He's not saying that. He's saying what what we've got to aspire and aim to be is more like Jesus. He also focuses on our language, how we speak about other people. How we speak to other people, how we speak to our kids, how we speak to our colleagues, how we speak to people in our street, how we speak to, about people when we are behind the wheel and they cut us up. I've never spoken badly about anyone in that situation. I have. Um, how have your interactions been this week? How have your interactions been with, in your families, in your you know, with the nearest and dearest, sometimes it's with our nearest and dearest where this is hardest. They see us at our best, they see us at our worst. But Paul is asking us and encouraging us to kind of cast off the stuff that is pulling us away from Jesus and to put on the stuff that makes us become more like Jesus. Is there a relationship that you're aware of today that you need to put right And you need to be a person of peace in that situation, in that relationship. But you need to go to them. And like my kids, I'm sorry. What I've done or what I've said was wrong. Please forgive me. And hopefully they won't turn around and say, I don't forgive you. And I'm not going to give it to you. But it can sometimes feel a bit impossible to do this. But I think the Holy Spirit has been given to us to live beyond what we normally feel is possible and to move us into what feels impossible and then does become possible. And if anyone feels here this morning like, oh, there's a relationship that is just impossible and won't ever change, I know what that feels like. But I'm just going to put it out there that nothing is impossible for Jesus. Nothing is impossible for his Holy Spirit. And in all of this stuff, Forgiveness is so key. And Paul goes on to say this. You might not be able to see it, but it says, forgive like Jesus and be forgiven by Jesus. Paul says, forgive one another if you have a grievance against someone and forgive as the Lord forgave you. The New Testament makes this very challenging and clear link between being forgiven by Jesus and offering forgiveness to other people. The two, they, they're two sides of the same coin. 
sometimes we love the fact that we're forgiven and God wipes our slate clean. What an incredible gift that is. But if you can walk out of this place knowing that what we have done this week, we, we, we are forgiven from. We can walk with our shoulders kind of uh, loose and our head kind of up because Christ loves us so much. He died on the cross to deal with our sin. So, so we don't have to drag that weight of sin and rubbish behind us. What a beautiful truth this morning. But Paul doesn't leave it there. He links it, as does Jesus, to the fact that because we've been forgiven, we can forgive others. In Jesus, in the words of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you know you've been forgiven, then you know that you need to forgive those who have sinned against you. Jesus and Paul don't give us the option. And that might be a hard word to hear because forgiveness is hard to give sometimes. And painful when we have been wronged and things have happened to us that have just been very wrong on like a million levels. I'm just going to tap in very quickly to a bit of my story, which some of you will have heard. So forgive me if you have heard this, but I think I've really learned what, how powerful forgiveness is and the danger of not forgiving. And you will know, some of you, that my son died 14 years ago. He was killed in a hit and run, my number two son. And some of you were really involved with that in terms of you were at the scene. So forgive me if this is a little bit triggering. But without going to all the details of that, I learned early on that I needed to forgive the driver of the car. You know, I knew that that was what the gospel, what Jesus was asking me to do. It wasn't, I wasn't, That wasn't in question for any of us in our family. I knew forgiveness is what we had to do. But there was one instance when I was driving home, six months after Sam died, I was driving um, just through Bristol. I dropped off the kids at various places on play dates. And I looked behind me in my rear view mirror and there was an empty seat where Sam should have been sitting. Kids always sit in the same seats. It's a weird thing. And he wasn't there. And I just felt this wave of pain kind of come over me and grieve. I was grieve, deeply grieving and, and life was very hard. But I, my mind was taken back to that night, taken back to the driver of the car. And I, in that moment, I hated her so strongly. And my mind went to the night, my mind went to how, how that driver could have been so selfish, so stupid. So, you know, her actions have inflicted or our family put it into kind of the worst sort of scenario ever. How could you be so stupid? And in that moment, I was spiraling into kind of a, a place of hate and despair. And it was like a red mist descended on me. And it was a bit scary because I'd never really felt that amount of hate for anyone in my life. And I was about to pull over because I was crying and I just thought I need to pull over and take a moment here. And in that moment, I think I had a little glimpse of what unforgiveness would have looked like for me for the rest of my life. And I didn't like it. It was scary. It was a place of hate and bitterness and out-of-controlness that was just... Yeah, it was painful, but it was also like a glimpse of the future... And so in that moment, I just, I just prayed a really desperate prayer, God, help me, help me forgive her. 
I didn't even want to forgive her. I didn't. I felt justified in my hate. And that's the thing about forgiveness. Sometimes we feel so justified to hate somebody and to not forgive them because of what they've done, which is completely understandable. But my arrow prayer, God help me forgive her, meant that I opened myself to God's help, that what seemed impossible suddenly was not possible suddenly was possible and the words of the lord prayer came into my head forgive us my forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and i knew in that moment jesus was saying to me the spirit of god was saying to me yeah you know what it's like to be forgiven rachel you have to choose forgiveness here and it wasn't a harsh word it was just a direct word i knew what he was doing and i just said god help me forgive her help me forgive her i don't want to be that woman that is bound up by hate and bitterness the person that people see and go, oh, yeah, you know, that's the woman. She's never recovered. She's never been someone that can kind of flourish. I don't want that for my life. And I'm, I'm not going to allow it. I'm going to lean in to forgiveness. However hard it is, however impossible it seems, I know that's what Jesus has called me to do. And I'm going to try and fail lots, but try to do what he said. I think it was Nelson Mandela that said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. I love that quote. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that it will kill your enemies. It doesn't kill your enemy, it kills you. It doesn't kill your enemy, it kills you. And, but I do want to just, as I come into land, just say what forgiveness doesn't mean and what forgiveness does mean. Because this sort of stuff is important to me. I've thought quite a lot about it. Forgiveness doesn't mean we don't recognize the wrong that's been done to us. We don't brush it under the carpet, say it doesn't matter, it wasn't painful, it's not left deep, deep scars on my life. It's it's not saying that. Forgiveness doesn't mean we forget what happened. We may forget the pain or the wrong that someone has caused us, but we may not. I will never forget that night. It's indelibly imprinted on on my life. I will never forget it. Forgiveness doesn't mean we automatically have reconciliation. I think reconciliation is a beautiful thing that God does in our relationships, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we'll have reconciliation. I probably won't ever have reconciliation with the person that was driving the car that killed Sam. I might one day. I'm not ruling it out, but I might not. And forgiveness doesn't mean we don't take measures to protect ourselves from being hurt again in the same way. It's not being a doormat. It's not saying... Come and do it again, whatever it is. It's saying, I forgive you for what you've done, and I'm going to take measures to protect myself if that is what I need to do. Forgiveness does mean we have a commitment and an intention to forgive in every area of our lives. Jesus does not want our lives to be compartmentalized between where we give him access and where we don't give him access. He wants a whole jolly lot. Not because he's greedy, but because he knows that's the best for us. And he knows he's got the power to, to bring transformation and healing like only he can. Forgiveness does mean that we release the other person from our judgment and our hate and our bitterness. We release them from that. The only person that can judge that person is Jesus. Apart from if it's, you know... If there's a crime being committed, and then the judge can judge them, for sure. I'm not saying that. But, you know, we release, we release them from our judgment. 
We don't say it doesn't matter and that it wasn't painful or doesn't, it didn't hurt, but we release them from our judgment. And forgiveness does mean we recognize that hurt has been done to us sometimes. People can say and do terrible things. We can say and do terrible things. I can say and do terrible things. Let's not pretend that it's always about the other person. Let's be honest about our own sides, our own hidden stuff, our own vulnerabilities and weaknesses. But forgiveness does mean we recognize the hurt that has been done and we invite God's spirit to heal us in those tender places. I'm on a journey of healing. I'm not there yet. I'd love to say that I have forgiven her and I'll never have to forgive her again, but that simply wouldn't be true. I'm on a journey of forgiveness that is probably going to last my whole entire life until I meet Jesus. And some of you probably are as well. But do you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because Jesus is with me. His spirit is in me. And, and he can bring transformation and healing like only he can do. It's not about trying hard and being good. It's about saying, actually, I can't try hard and I can't be good. But I need you, Spirit of God, to help me to be the person you want me to be. I'm going to finish now. Thank you so much for listening. But I just want to leave you a few thoughts as I finish off today. It may be that you're here and some of these things have kind of maybe touched a few raw nerves in you. Um, or maybe been a bit uncomfortable or, or triggered you in some way. And forgive me if that's the case. But I think the Holy Spirit wants to kind of move us on and move us forward. So if you feel a little bit like, oh, I think the Spirit of God is kind of touching a few nerves in, my, in me today, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, then I'd love to encourage you not to ignore that, but to do something about it. And that may mean come and get, come and get some prayer at the end of the service or after I finish speaking. It may mean talking to a trusted friend who you know will not judge you or condemn you, but will stand with you or sit with you and say, yeah, I get it. I'm going to pray for you. Because we are all in the same boat here, aren't we? We are all in the same boat. There's not like them and us, you and them. We are all, as the Bible calls it, sinners saved by grace. We are all those people. And so I don't want you to kind of... Sh- it's so easy, to, is it, to kind of shrug stuff off that God's doing in our life and think, ah, uh, you know, you leave the building thinking about lunch. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking about. But actually, if the Holy Spirit is talking to you, don't shrug it off. Don't ignore it. Get some prayer. Get some ministry. Get someone to bless you and help you and pray for you. And you know what? When we speak stuff out, it's really powerful because it removes it from the darkness. And when we speak stuff out, we bring it into the light. And that's when transformation and change can happen. Um, I also felt that there may be some people here that have had a really difficult week with a particular relationship, or a born person maybe, where you really feel like that relationship has, there's, maybe it feels like terrible, or there's no way it can ever sort of come back or be restored. And I just want to say to you, that isn't true. That isn't true. I'm not saying a miraculous kind of relationship will suddenly appear this week. And what I'm saying is no relationship is so far gone that God cannot work in and bring a bit of healing and transformation. And I don't want to be naive about that and say wave a magic wand, but I'd want to sow a bit of hope towards you and towards the hard relationships that you may have had this week and encourage you that actually he wants to bring breakthrough. That's who he does. He wants to bring healing. That's what that's who he is. I was reminded um 
uh, a, a long time ago when one of my kids was a teenager, and he was a right, it was tough. It was tough. And I prayed and prayed and prayed a lot. And one, one day I was praying for him. And I was just crying out to God saying, this is so difficult. I don't, I'm not quite sure what to do. I've tried everything. I've got advice. I've prayed. I've tried to be super parent. I've tried to stand back. i tried to kind of push in. And I just felt God say, he said, say, hold your nerve. Hold your nerve. Don't check out. Hold your nerve. And I want to say that to you today. If you've got a difficult relationship, hold your nerve. Don't think it's, it's beyond God's help because it's not. It might not ever get back to how it was, but hold your nerve. And finally, you may need God's forgiveness today. You may need to forgive somebody else, but you may need God to forgive you. You may need to know that reality of Jesus' death on the cross, that forgiveness that he offers you, that fresh start, that clean slate that he wants to give you, he wants to give me. It's there. It's a gift that he gives us. It's a beautiful gift. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. You can be forgiven right now in this moment for what you've said or done or thought. What a beautiful, powerful truth. So let's just take a moment to pray. And I'll hand over to Pete. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. Your Holy Spirit is here moving amongst us, speaking to us, bringing encouragement, strength, conviction, but all from a place of love. And I pray for us, God, you would help us to know what we need to put off this morning and what we need to put on, where we've compromised and blended in. Show us, God. I pray for any of us that are feeling shame this morning. Thank you, God, that you have not sent your son to die on the cross so that we can No shame. You sent your son to die on the cross to lift off shame. To lift off our guilt. And to offer us incredible forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, that that is such a beautiful truth. I pray for us that we would know your forgiveness this morning. you'd lift off the guilt, any guilt and shame that maybe have have come this week from broken relationships, things that have been said or done or thought. Spirit of God, lift it off, I pray in Jesus' name. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your forgiveness, God. Help us to forgive others like you have forgiven us in Jesus' name. Amen.